I just want to welcome you and say thank you for carving out the time for, from this Thursday afternoon to join us. And we're talking about hybrid church, um, which is um, which is the hot topic right now. People are trying to work out what it is, how they do it, whether they might have actually been doing it for quite a while, or whether it's just that it's a new phrase. Um, and we are hoping to have some kind of answers for you and some questions to pitch to you. But I want to introduce you to the panel today. Um, so Finn Johnson and Peter Murden are really good friends of mine. We actually only met uh, back in February, the, uh, so nearly 12 months ago, and we did a um, conference together, a church comms conference, and we shared a stage and we were chatting then about what kind of impact uh, COVID-19 may have on churches and we were all completely and utterly wrong. So we, did, we made a joke from my memory, Mark. One person, I think I made a joke and that was the only reference it got all weekend. <laughs> and, and we didn't even think it would make an impact and here <laughs> we are now. Um, but a few of you might have seen that we did, um, we, we made what's called the Church's Handbook. Um, I think it's live still, uh, covid.churcheshandbook.co.uk or something like that. And that um, these guys helped with that and that's had hundreds of thousands of views. I actually heard a person say it might have had more than that, but I've not looked. Um, but these guys helped with that. So they are the real deal. They are super incredible. They are two of the team from the Digital Church Toolkit. And if you don't know of them, check out their website. Um, and they help churches to grasp the tricky nature of uh, digital. And they help big churches, little churches, medium-sized churches, large church organisations, charities to make the most of um, all that they um, can have and all that they can do. So I would encourage you to check out Digital Church Toolkit and check out their Instagram as well, because there's loads of inspiration on there as well. So they are very much uh, the real deal and great, great people. So um, nice to have them here. Uh, we are going to run through, we're going to share a few segments, we're going to do a little bit of teaching. And our hope is that we're going to put some tools into your hands that during uh, this we're going to uh, pitch some questions to you that you might want to scribble down so hopefully you've got pen paper with you and I, I think one of the things that we would love to do is to give you enough information and enough framework that you can um, go away at the end of this and know that you've got the right questions to kind of ask for each of the different things that you're doing that you can work out what's physical what's digital what has a hybrid what is hybrid to what degree is hybrid um, and we're each going to take a section of that so let's get underway we're kind of all here because we know that the shape of the world has changed and when we see the shape of society change we see the shape of church change like if we've learned one thing from brands like Facebook and Amazon, it's that people like the convenience of online. But I think we need to be careful as uh, Christians, as church leaders, um, that convenience without community breeds consumers. And what we don't need in the church is more consumers. We need disciples. And so I think what we're what we're mindful of is that the convenience of digital shouldn't take away from this amazing opportunity that we have in front of us. We've all been through a crisis as church leaders and in crisis, we see change accelerate. And so what we've seen is 10 years of change in just a few months, which is why so many of you are probably feeling drained and exhausted and stretched. And that's not to even mention homeschooling. Um, because you've all had to process what would normally take a decade and you've done it in a few months, over 10 months. And that's amazing. And those of you here who are Vineyard, you've done an incredible job. Like it's been so impressive watching what you have done. Um, but at the same time, there is no going back. So we're never going to return to what was because we've seen a glimpse of what could be. There's been this door of opportunity and it's been flung wide open and to close it shuts down those amazing opportunities that we have in front of ourselves. We've all been forced into this new reality and normally uh, key moments of change suit the people who are making those changes. So they plan and they prepare and strategize and they roll out change at this agreed pace um, with specific uh, hallmarks, key marks, objectives. 
Um, but we've all been forced into change at the same time, regardless of whether you wanted it or not. But I think that God has been working as well. And um, I was um, I was on a webinar with the guys from Vineyard Anaheim, and they shared a quote from Oswald Chambers that many of you would probably know. It says, beware of going back to what you once were when God wants you to be something that you have never been. And that's been like one of my go-to phrases over uh, the last 10 months, because I really believe there's there's an invitation for churches in this season. And we've all been working out what God is making available in this season. And there's been increased compassion, increased connection, increased communication. And it is the communication side of things that we want to talk about today. So we're each, we've each got a few stories and we're going to kick off with um, Finn. And we're each going to share two stories that have really kind of impacted <laughs> us, inspired us. So over to you, Finn. Yeah, so uh, two uh, stories that sprung to mind straight away when uh, we were kind of planning this out and thinking about it. Um, one's kind of more organisational, one's a bit more personal. And so um, Kingdom Company is a church uh, plant in Manchester, northern quarter of Manchester. It's a company that we get to work with is Digital Church Toolkit. Um, a great guys, um, Matt and Claire, that have set that church up. Uh, and they were building for weeks towards their launch uh, and they were looking to launch as a church. And then the pandemic hit and lockdown meant they never got to launch in person. Uh, and so it'd be so easy in that scenario to just kind of give up and to lose heart and to lose hope, um, uh, but they didn't. They kind of doubled down on digital presence. They they launched online as a church and they are absolutely flourishing. They have, you know, about a hundred people in online groups now. They're reaching over 20,000 people on social media. And so like just absolutely phenomenal story of like the fact that despite everything that's going on, God is still using them as a church but also the church capital c to continue to grow and to reach more people um and so yeah in the toughest of circumstances they have launched a church and are not only kind of just making it through but are actually really flourishing in that time and then on a real personal level um a guy i know called james um who kind of grew up in a church of england primary school and you know if you'd asked him to fill in a census form or whatever he'd always always have ticked the christian box you know he would always consider himself a christian but it had no impact on his life just wasn't really part of kind of who he was and he never really had any time for church he was a busy guy um but the pandemic threw up a lot of big questions freed up a lot of his time he was working from home a lot as, as kind of a lot of us are um, his girlfriend reached recently started attending our church and so um he signed up for the alpha course he had the time to, to, to attend that and he was had a lot of big questions um and so he recently completed the course he's made a commitment he's got baptized and so he's just like loving Jesus, loving the community that he's found in church. And so for me, that's just a real personal one of just like someone that I've encountered that, again, despite everything that's going on, people are still coming to faith. People are still finding Jesus. And um, yeah, so I'm excited for that one personally. So I thought I'd share that one. Peter, I think you have a couple to share. Yeah, thanks, Finley. Um, so first my first story is actually an organization i was talking to this week this is like fresh off the press at least for me so they are they were a, well pre-pandemic they were schools and youth work organization based in manchester working all across the north of england and um of course the pandemic effectively shut down most of their work because you know they couldn't go to schools so they kind of totally pivoted their entire organization they were very good at creating content their founder uh, taught himself Facebook ads and started running some Facebook ads, taught himself how to turn a messenger into a chatbot, which you can actually no longer do. Facebook have shut that down. But he turned the messenger into a chatbot through the ad. And so he would send them a video about Christianity. He then would take them through some kind of basic discipleship on this chatbot and would, um, and then sometimes he would jump in there himself and be a real person. And he saw three over 300 people make like firm, definite commitments, like 300 people say, I want to join a local church. It wasn't just like 300 people put their hand up. It was like 300 people were like, can you connect me with a local church? That gave him a whole bunch of other problems because he had people from all over the country. He had to find decent churches in all over the country. <laughs> and he just wasn't set up for that. Um, but then they also had over 1,200, so that is over 1,200 people, DM them through these ads for like prayer requests and reaching out for kind of pastoral support. 
And it was just amazing to hear, like, he had no idea what he was doing. He was on the phone to us because he's like, I don't know how to run out. Can you help me? I'm like, mm, sounds like you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was just amazing to hear, like a complete novice, had to pivot their entire organization. And they saw so much fruit that for them, that is where they're putting their energy in over the next kind of couple of years, kind of post-pandemic. Um, second story, the church I attend here in Bristol, I actually moved here uh, kind of July, so in the midst of the pandemic. So, but before, so this time last year, they're a fairly new kind of C of E church plant in the center of the city. And they had about 200 people attending them on a Sunday. And uh, obviously the pandemic kind of shut. They, their alpha course like blew up in a good way. So they would normally do like maybe two a year. I think they did three in, in the period of kind of when churches couldn't meet, uh, doing online church. Uh, in September, they put out for online group sign up and they had over 200 people sign up for online groups. So they've got no idea how big their church is. Like we've, I go there, but we've got no idea how many people like would say I go to that church. Um, but kind of your group sign up's pretty, you know, pretty good kind of gear. And they had more people sign up for groups than they had coming on a Sunday kind of six months earlier. Uh, so that was just amazing to be part of. And, you know, everyone you talk to, they... Uh, well, not everyone, but a lot of people I talk to at church, they or when I go to church, you all know what I'm saying, seem to have been engaging like post-pandemic, which is phenomenal to, to be a part of. Amazing. I love those uh, stories. Um, okay, I've got two quick stories. One is um, a friend of ours who um, is uh, disabled and is bedbound for much of the week, but loves Jesus, loves the church, but has felt so frustrated in the past by not being able to let her body letting her down. That's how she has phrased it. And um, then we took our small groups online, we took our church online, and since last March, she hasn't missed a small group and she hasn't missed a single, uh, she's missed one church service since last March. She's never felt more loved, more connected, has more friends and she no longer feels on the fringe. Uh, she attends free prayer meetings a week because that's like, she's like, I can't do the uh, food pantry. I can't do storehouse. You know, I can't do those things, but I can turn up at a prayer meeting and that's part of her worship. And I love that. Um, yeah. And we will never take that away from her. Um, another one, because it's, um, because it's, um, this happened in, my site in the west of Cardiff, um, so we have our church services on Zoom and also on YouTube and on one of our Zoom um, Sundays throughout the service we felt that God wanted to heal people and so we prayed, we led this ministry time over the um, group and a friend of mine, a guy called John, he was in pain because um, he had developed quite a bad case of tennis elbow and it was really hurting him. And on top of that, he'd been playing football about two years ago. He'd snapped his Achilles and it was giving him a real, uh, real trouble walking. And we prayed over the whole call. Uh, we spoke healing over people. And in that moment, he felt the peace and the presence of God so tangibly. And the next thing he knew, he could fully rotate his arm and his Achilles had also completely loosened. And that all happened over Zoom. And... Um, a couple of weeks on when he shared this uh, story with us, he said he was still completely healed. It wasn't a moment that happened right then. It was um, it was God. It was the real thing. So that's amazing. And so I just want to encourage you guys. The part of this point of the stories is that we replicate what we celebrate and we're seeing stories of healings. We're seeing stories of people who are coming to faith, uh, people exploring faith. And we want to encourage you to continue to push into this, not to mention what Pete Greg shared last night about the 17,000 people that Rick Warren has seen come to faith during the pandemic. Um, so God is moving and this thing works. Um, however, um, we know that there are lots of questions and so we're gonna try to kind of answer some of those. So Finn, over to you. Yeah, so uh, I thought I'd jump in straight away and just talk a bit about strategy. Um, that's kind of what I do day to day and work with a lot of churches doing exactly that. Um, and it's something that, you know, through our discussion with different churches, we've discovered is something that churches kind of want, but don't really know where to start. And so my plan for today is just give like a real basic foundational overview of kind of what a, a strategy could look like for hybrid church, for digital church and kind of going forwards. Um, so, yeah. Uh, First of all, I think we need to, we've kind of touched on already, like we recognize 
we are so pro digital as an organization uh, digital church toolkit but nothing can replicate the power of in-person gatherings and there's key areas within that you know particularly worship and encounter but you know also the practical more physical ministry areas around healing and baptism and just the reality of like we've just heard there that you know healing can happen over zoom like that is phenomenal we want to celebrate that but we also recognize that kind of being in the room with someone does help with some of those things and it just that kind of tangible uh, ability to literally lay hands on people often is you know a key part of that um but digital offices are wealth of opportunities i hope that's something that you've discovered in your church over this time ways of reaching people like never before heard so many great stories of just churches that are you know historically would have been smaller in size but are now reaching huge huge numbers um but we as a church need to be proactive in our approach and we need to have a plan and so for me strategy turns that intention into action so having a plan will really make that a reality um a digital strategy is simply having a thoughtful and intentional plan about what you want to achieve online and how you're going to achieve it so it doesn't need to be anything scary it doesn't need to be anything to worry about um at digital church toolkit we talk about a digital strategy as five parts so i'm just going to run through those now um so number one is identity why do you exist what is your unique calling as a church uh, often you know as churches we talk about that as mission and vision um audience who are you speaking to who are you called to what's the area in which you are um you know m most aligned platforms um where are you going to post what are you going to you know how are you going to get that message out there um, we talk about creative. What does it look like? How are you going to engage people? And then finally, we talk about rhythm. Um, who's going to execute this plan? When are they going to do it? You know, the practicalities of getting that done. So we spent a couple of weeks ago unpacking each of these five um, as a free kind of online course for uh, church leaders. And we spent a whole day on each of these. Uh, and I've got now for about a minute to go through each of them. So I'm definitely going to gloss over these quickly. So I, I make no apologies for that. Um, but I'm going to quickly rattle through them and uh, talk about them as, as best I can in the time we have available. Um, so number one is identity. So define your mission and vision. Uh, every church has the great commission. We want to follow after that. We want to chase that. Um, but what separates you from the church down the road? Um, I think as churches, we need to kind of celebrate this. We need to lean into our unique calling and gifting. Um, and also, uh, as we think about hybrid church, how is this felt? How is this seen in a digital capacity? You know, um, by and large, we as churches offer um, much the same things. But actually, we all know there's a uniqueness to each church. There will be that's why we have kind of denominations and expressions of churches, you know, and there's a, a beauty in that. And so leaning into that and finding ways to express that digitally. Um, would be kind of the key question around identity that I would uh, encourage you to consider. Um, audience, this is the question that every kind of church struggles with whenever we get to this section. Uh, we know the gospel's for all people, and so we assume our church is for everyone. Uh, but the reality doesn't really support this. You know, you target ministries specifically. So if you think about your men's events versus your women's event, you know, you will you will give that a unique flavour based on who you're trying to reach. Uh, and there's just a reality in the fact that if you try and reach everyone, you reach no one, you just water down your message um, and uh, essentially say nothing. Uh, you know, if you run kids facilities, if you run a youth group, you are catering for a different audience to the churches that don't offer those. So defining your audience is never about exclusion, um, but it is about clarity um, and it should assist, you know, our prayerful decision making. So that when we reach a fork in the road, when we have a decision to make, we have a clear idea of who it is we are called to. Um, and we need to consider as well within that how we reach people outside the church, um, those that are not yet part of church, but also how we cater to those inside the church, how we did grow and disciple our attendees. So that's audience um, platforms. What kind of digital platforms are you using? What are you investing your time and energy into? I'm sure for a lot of you that has been most of this year has been kind of getting that up to speed, getting that into a place where you feel comfortable. But, you know, going forward, how are you going to use your website? How are you going to use an email mailing list? Um, be realistic, ensure you use platforms really well. Um, rather than being present in lots of places, my uh, kind of advice to you would be instead um, add value and be, you know, think quality in key areas where you can really feel you can add value. Um, every social you know, media platform is different. Every kind of digital out um, uh, network is different. Uh, it requires a different tone, different content in order to reach people well. So don't just post the same Bible verse onto every different platform. Consider the platform, take the time to think about it, put time into creating that quality content that builds community, builds conversation. I think that's a great way to lean into the kind of hybrid model going forwards. Um, when we talk about that fourth section, when we talk about creative, 
Um, we know the gospel is compelling. Uh, we know that the stories of Jesus uh, hold way and make a difference. But the reality is we are vying for attention uh, in a, a very crowded uh, space. We are shouting to be heard over the noise and the advertising of organisations with budgets far bigger than ours. Uh, so we need to be creative. We need to find ways to stop the scroll, to meet people where they're at and uh, to present the truth in, in simple and easy bite-sized steps. Um, so again, for example, I, I spoke uh, at the start, one of the stories I had of good news during this time was Kingdom Company, uh, this church in Manchester. You know, So they built their brand knowing that they were going to have to be uh, you know, reaching people online, and that was going to be a key consideration for them. They chose a particularly striking color of yellow, which they probably wouldn't have chosen out of personal preference, but they did that in order to stop the scroll, in order to grab people's attention online, because they recognized it was a color that would just arrest people and it would just draw people in. Um, and so sometimes it's just as practical as, as that sort of thing, of uh, and, you know, thinking that way in terms of our creative outputs. Um, and then finally, you know, this is the reality that all of us will be in is, is finding a rhythm. We need to be organized. We want to you know, get into good habits, but also we're stretched. It's been hard. Mark mentioned it at the start. Like a lot of us have done a decade of work in a few months and it's hard. It's hard work. You can't do everything on your own. And so, again, just that consideration of who you can lean to inside the church, who's going to support us outside the church even. Um, and I think, you know, my just a top level tip within this would be like, let's not make assumptions. I don't think we often think when we're thinking, how am I going to continue the digital side of things? How am I going to ensure that we are keeping that momentum going there whilst we also begin to maybe start meeting again in person? We automatically are drawn to the young, the tech savvy. Um, but I don't think that has to be the reality. Um, you know, you could have someone in your church who's never used Facebook, would have no idea about social platforms, but can write beautifully. You know, so they can email across compelling copy that you can uh, copy and paste and use as captions on social media and that, that will incentivize action so I, I think let's think outside the box of that you know let's not pigeonhole people i think you can build team peter's going to talk about that a bit later on but you know build that team around the idea that digital is not something that supports different ministry areas but that digital is a ministry in its own right um, and it's worth noting that so many of these translate you know into the physical strategy and so you know very quickly as i can kind of wrap up this section you know, your identity is consistent on online and offline. So, you know, that is the hybrid. I mean, it should be, you know, who you are as a church will not change, whether that is digital or in physical. Um, similarly, your audience might slightly nuance between the online and offline, but should largely be the same. Um, platforms uh, you have available physically are vastly different on digital platforms to digital platforms, but your approach and analysis to how you use them should be the same. Um, and again, you've probably been creating compelling creative in person for years um, but maybe this is a chance maybe this is an opportunity you know the, the learnings we've had through doing church online for the last little while maybe we can now begin to factor that in so we have seamless communication across all our channels so you know in a very practical sense does your sermon series in the room if that's kind of the way you would do church feel and have the same draw you know in the room as it does online it's those sorts of questions you know have we got that harmony across all of our platforms and then finally, you know, in terms of rhythm, you know, team and schedule is the same online and offline. You need to build team. You know this. <laughs> you are probably experts in uh, finding volunteers and uh, incentivizing that. And we are going to pick up a bit on some uh, kind of top tips about that later. But yeah, so for, I think for me, that's like a real very quick. And I recognize that I was a bit of a fire hydrant, just kind of chucked information at you. But those for me are the five core aspects of a, a strategy. And I think that works not only for digital, but can translate well into uh, in person as we do that. Uh, Pia, how do we implement a comm strategy there? Oh, thank you so much. Just to say, you know, if some of you, if some of that sounds a little familiar, uh, we didn't steal it all from Mark's book, but we do take some of those notes from Mark's book. <laughs> and I'll say it because he won't. If you are like, what is a comm strategy? We need one. And you haven't read Mark's book, um, so everyone can hear you should go and buy yeah. it go and buy it today last time i said this it climbed the charts on amazon and um, so we said it we did an event for a week we kept mentioning mark's book then mark posted that it climbed the charts i think it was doing better than i don't know it was doing better than the bible at one point and um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you're so everyone can hear communicating church in a digital culture it is very cheap on amazon you should all go and buy it uh, i'll say it because he won't um, so what I'm going to do now is to try and very 
you know, the next five minutes, give you just some tips in terms of implementing strategies. So Finn's kind of giving you the kind of basics on what things should we be considered for digital strategy moving forward, whether that's hybrid or not hybrid. And, and we know that Mark's going to kind of talk a bit more specifically about hybrid later. So that's one of the reasons we're kind of not mentioning it. But here's um, just five tips that, that I think you need to be considering whenever you're kind of enacting kind of a new strategy. The first thing is you want to you want to identify success. Um, you know, everyone likes to succeed. Uh, you know, so the easiest way for you to get people on board, whether that's volunteers, whether that's senior leaders, whether that's trustees, so you can spend some more money. And the easiest way to get people on board is to paint a picture of what the future could look like with your strategy. Uh, and and preferably that future is a realistic one. Your your vision is not let's become Hillsong overnight. Your vision is realistic. It's authentic expression of who you are, but also is filled with faith and filled with ambition and filled with confidence for growth. And so if you can paint a picture in people's minds by identifying what is success, um, that is going to make you feel good. And, you know, we've all been in leadership positions where we always feel like we're not doing a good job. Uh, you know, we've all walked out of that meeting or that service or, you know, finished a busy weekend and thought, I haven't done a good job. And often one of the reasons for that is that we don't know what a good job actually is. <laughs> no one has ever defined success. And often that is because we think that, you know, Jesus gets all the glory. So it doesn't matter about our success. And, you know, that is definitely true. It is all for the glory of Jesus. But at the end of the day, we've got to know what we're trying to achieve. And so that you, your team, your leaders can go, yeah, that is what we're trying to achieve. Um, so by ensuring that you have a realistic vision, that you've defined success, uh, you'll quickly, people will quickly be able to understand why the strategy is important and you'll be able to energize them in that process. You know, the next, um, the next six months of church life as we re-emerge out of lockdown, are gonna, they're gonna be they're not gonna be as difficult as last March. I can probably guarantee that, but they are gonna involve a change of people's lifestyles. It's going to be, you know, we think that there's uh, you know, mental health, anxiety, depression is 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 you know difficult for people right now. But I also suspect that's gonna get in, that's also gonna be difficult as we re-emerge back into you know offices and talking to people in you know real life situations, not on Zoom. That is gonna throw up a whole bunch of things for people. And so energizing people around your vision for the future is really important. So tip one, identify success. Tip number two is focus on what is mission critical. There'll be things that are non-negotiable in your church and any strategy must ensure that those things happen and that those things can occur. For almost every church, your Sunday service is mission critical. So, you know, if you decide moving forward when you go to back to in-person gatherings that, you know, it is mission critical that we stream service. That's that's a that's a great thing to identify, but there's no point you spending time and energy on uh, on things that are if you cannot do what is mission critical. So, you know, what is non-negotiable for your church, but also Think about the things of how it should be done. You know, there'll be some mission critical things in terms of your church's unique vision, your unique values, your theological tradition that you're like, we've got to do it this way. We, this is non-negotiable. So that is mission critical. So just ensure that any new strategy, any new approach, any new ideas doesn't kind of get in the way of mission critical activity. In fact, it should probably make that stuff easier. Uh, my tip number three is you've got to know your capacity. Uh, you know, every church, every team, every person has a has a capacity and a realistic strategy will bear that in mind. It, it, if it, in order for it to be a realistic and it to be accomplishable, you want to make sure that it's within your capacity. So, you know, have some conversations with your team about the time they have available. Have chats with the relevant people about the finance you have available before you decide what you're going to do next, before you decide your new approach, your new strategy. You know, know what the capacity of your team are, of your people are, of the churches. Number three, you want to get key influence. Four, sorry, this is number four. I'm losing track already. Number four, <laughs> you want to get key influencers on board. If you are the senior leader, uh, obviously you are the senior leader, you are in the driving seat. But if you're not the senior leader, obviously your senior leader is probably the most key influencer to get on board. You know, in every church, there are going to be people that 
that really they they bear their opinion bears weight their opinion bears authority uh, in a good way i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean you want to make sure that the people it's going to impact the people it's going to affect are helping you develop that strategy that they're on board with your new approach and um, you know if you're not the senior leader that is your senior leader if it involves releasing some money whoever in your environment is in charge of releasing money whether that is the finance manager or a trustee or whoever that is you want to make sure that you're not assuming there's money available um that for, for something when there isn't and vice versa you don't want to assume there's no money available you develop a shoestring strategy and it turns out there actually was some cash available if you had asked you know, so, and in your team below you, there's also going to be linchpins. There's going to be people whose time, whose energy, whose skill is going to be essential in order for you to accomplish whatever you're wanting to accomplish. And so it's absolutely crucial that you let them play a role in developing your strategy, that they, you know, they play a role in, in developing your new approach and your ideas. Because if you can get them on board early, it's going to be so much easier to make it happen. And um, I've seen this happen. I've been on the receiving end of this myself. We've all had these great ideas, have these kind of new ideas, and we forget to tell the people who are actually involved. How many of us have sat in, I mean, I used to, I've, this happened to me when I worked at churches. You, know, you would sit there and you would find out, I used to run a church coffee shop, and I would sit in church and they'd be talking about an event and they would say, and the coffee shop's going to be open. And I'd be like, oh. That's useful to know, considering I'm the coffee shop manager. Um, you know, you want to make sure that everyone involved knows about something before it becomes public, because that will just save you a whole bunch of uh, stressy emails. And um, number five, you want to invest in your team. Uh, you know, I think we investing in your team is going to probably be the biggest determiner of success. Uh, and for all of you in your comms team, there were probably six to seven roles. And these might be, some people might wear double hats, but there's probably six or seven roles that you're probably going to need in order to make any strategy viable. So number one is you're going to need someone who is um, strategic and has oversight and brings the leadership to that team. That's probably your comms manager, your comms leader, whoever's kind of doing that. The second is you're going to want a designer slash videographer. Most people can double up on those roles these days. You want someone who's actually going to create content for you. Thirdly, you want someone who can write. That could be copy for captions. That could be blogs. That could be emails. That could be scripts. You want someone that's be, that can write words. And four, you want a digital slash online pastoral role. Who is going to handle the prayer requests that come into you on DMs? It might be that your, you know, your strategic person is able to do that, but it might be they're not. You need someone who is able to handle that pastoral care of online. Next is you want someone who's administrative. You know, these people are going to be creative. Creatives, let me tell you, I run a digital agency full of creatives. I know this firsthand. Creatives are not organized. You need someone on your team who's able to organize, make sure the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, their receipts go into the right person, all that kind of admin stuff. Again, these don't have to be individual things, but these are roles that need to be played. And lastly, you're going to need someone who's great at hosting and hospitality, someone that can look after people, particularly online, who can you know host a live stream, host an event, etc. So how do you make these roles easier for you to recruit and, and retain your volunteers? There are three things I think you need to do, and then I'm going to hand over to Mark. The first is I really encourage you to have job descriptions even for your volunteers. Create an expectation of what committing to your team, your comms team, your digital team looks like moving forward. You know, give them a Give them a job description. Give them a, this is what we're going to need for you. It's going to involve you giving us four hours a week. It's going to involve you giving us four days a week. Whatever it is, give them a job description. Uh, so they know what commitment, their responsibility, their time, what they're responsible for. Second is, think about what the value exchange is. Yes, they're doing it for eternal reward. Yes, they're doing it for the glory of Jesus. Yes, they're doing it because they love your church and love your community. But, you know, if you're asking a graphic designer to do a job, are you, you know, consider paying for their Creative Cloud license or making sure that they've got a Canva Pro account? You know, think about, you know, making sure they've got enough coffee to run through that 
stream service every single Sunday. You know, those kind of things are going to make it much less. That's oil. I, I used to run big events. And I always used to think the kind of refreshments, the little perks, they were oil in the engine when I asked people to go above and beyond. Mm. And then resource them, give them things that's going to make their job easier. Give them a brand guideline, give them a support network, give them a chain of command, give them, you know, if someone's managing the social media, give them a crisis strategy so they know what to do when you get a negative comment, giving people those kind of resources. So you, you, you they know what their commitment is. They know that they're valued and that they know that they're resourced enough to be able to accomplish their role that will mean that you're able to execute your strategy with excellence with professionalism and ultimately so that your church can grow and jesus can get his full reward but mark i know that you're about to talk about the bit that everyone is actually here for which is how do people make decisions about hybrid as we re-emerge from lockdown brilliant thank you peter and and peter and finn so so good and like so much that we could like spend days in just kind of digesting like one of those chunks so those of you who are frantically scribbling um it's not just you it's just we're trying to give you as much as we can and we're trying to leave 10 minutes at the very end for some um, a q a so we've got 12 minutes before that point and i the difference between the reliance on digital and having a strategy in digital. This is where we're, we're kind of at now, is in March, we relied on digital with a, a strategy that was probably written on the back of a beer mat. Like that's where we were. Um, but technology is not just a thing, it's the thing. It's not a platform, it's a vehicle. We can get confused because we say, we want it on there, we want it on Facebook, but we don't know uh, what the direction of travel is. Um, but it's not new. Most of these things that we're um, using, they're not new. The technology um, is not new, but it's been shoved into the limelight. And I just think we've been exposed of like, oh, we need a better strategy around what that looks like. Um, there is a misconception around digital is that it doesn't foster community. And I just want to say that communication, when it's done well, builds community. It doesn't replace it because it's not meant to. Um, it fosters relationships, it encourages community and it deepens relationships, but it's not the thing. It's a tool and it's a vehicle. Um, so I just get that one out of the way. And just this morning I was reading the um, Bible and thinking about this and I'm really aware that we see Jesus. He really understood the physical need and catering for that physical need. We then see people like Paul, recognize the need for letters, communication, training, relationships through these uh, short and long letters that were written from distance. And then at times, those same people would recognize the need for face-to-face -face contact, teaching and relationship. And so saying you don't always have to be in front of a person is not new, um, just the tools and methodology that we have. And so not everything has to be digital, not everything has to be hybrid, and not everything has to be in person. Okay, let's be crystal clear. Hybrid doesn't mean everything that you do has to be a digital thing. Okay, it also doesn't mean that you need to stream everything that you do because streaming is not necessarily hybrid. Okay, we will touch on that slightly. Um, so the mission never changes, but the methodology does. So we no longer write letters to churches in different um, countries. We have uh, greetings and kind of emails on our phones. I had an email from the guys in. Uh, Spain, the vineyards in Spain just this morning. Um, we're texting back and forth. We no longer send messengers. We post on social media and we don't need a soapbox anymore. We can go live on Facebook or on YouTube. You know, so uh, the method is always changing and that has to be okay. But the mission, the commission is non-negotiable. So like Peter said, you have to ask, what's the win? When you are making decisions around what is online, what is offline and what is hybrid, you have to ask, what's the win? And the reason we sometimes struggle with the street strategic direction is because we haven't worked out what that win is, okay? And if we work out the win, we know the direction. And when we then celebrate those wins that we've achieved, we're celebrating vision being realized. Okay, so th th that's why we plan that beforehand but I'm going to give you 10 questions 
which I think people need to have because we can't tell you what you need to do in your context for hybrid, but we can give you some questions and tools that work out your strategy. And then you can look at every ministry moment, event, service and work out what's what. So one, what's the win from this event, ministry moment or service? Like what are you trying to achieve and what would do this best? It's one. Number two, what do we gain from digital only? Number three, what do we gain from physical only? And number four, what do we gain from a hybrid approach? But then five, how do we make sure the invitation is really accessible? Okay, so there's a difference between uh, doing something for a group of people who are already formed and that being uh, a Zoom call. But when you want an invitation to be um, accessible, how do you make sure that you continue to be a centered set church okay how can we call uh, six how can we cultivate community for this instance number seven what follow-on invitation is necessary to push into community so uh, the guys touched um, on having things like host teams on youtube chat like how do you translate a digital visitor into a physical person who is part of your of your church number eight if it's digital only what can we circulate beforehand to prepare people for what they are coming to so maybe it's questions reading podcasts voice memos um, we did a newcomers event last month or just before Christmas and we posted out copies of the Vineyard Values book because I think one of our challenges is we need to get better at giving something physical for something digital so we did things for our kids groups where we gave them packs and we did things for this national um, gathering um, kids download so people are involved physically in something that's happening digitally question nine will this make consumers or will this make community number 10 how can physical lead to digital and how can digital lead to physical Okay, so put physical into the hand of the digital user. Just today, I received a present from, well, yesterday I got a text message from a friend. He leads a vineyard church up in Carlisle. He's a great friend. I haven't seen him since this time last year. And he sent me a uh, package. And inside the package was some Kendall mint cake. And having something physical that went with the text that he sent me yesterday, which was encouraging, but having this really meant something. And we're very good at presence for friends, but we're not very good at putting at physical leading to digital and digital leading to physical. So that yeah. those are my 10 questions. But the best experiences of the church in this age are those that creatively use technology to bolster the life of faith. So looking at hybrid, bringing to, together the kind of online and offline worship attendees might be the first step to church as a hybrid experience, church being a Sunday, but it's by no means the, like the pinnacle. To align church with digital culture through hybrid experiences, we need to be creative around um, how we get people engaged, like what that looks like. And I think if church is to be a hybrid experience, formation and community and training and equipping they have to fuse online and offline it's about making the most of our resources including time so hybrid simply means using what people already use yeah so that we can all be the best church we can be your church is already watching youtube they're already on facebook they're already on instagram they're already watching things they're already engaging on things they're already uh, learning things they're, they might be doing open university, but they're still using them. We're just now needing to work out where our people are and how we can use our digital um, world to get to them and get them to come to us. So I can't see you guys and you can't, you can see me, but we had, um, I'll tell you a quick story. We had a leaders meeting last week, uh, two weeks ago, and it was dark, it was wet, it was cold, it was slightly icy. We would normally have had to find a babysitter. I probably would have grumbled my way out the door and all the way there. My wife has the patience of a saint. Um, I would have had to have had a questionable cup of coffee and um, we would have arrived late because children and 
life and we would have left on time because my wife works shift work so we wouldn't have had time to really chat to people that we would have walked, uh, wanted to and we would have sat there and listened to some absolute gold and left instead we did this on a zoom call and we scribbled it down we've got our bibles here pens spare pens hot chocolates blankets like don't tell people pajama bottoms like we were like for the night um but we've also like that was amazing it was gold but we've also missed the small groups meeting around a table when laughter turns to prayer and we need a both and solution so it's not everything physical it's not everything digital or physical things streaming it's a bit of both and what i want to say is you need to take your church on the journey with you and explain why thing why you're doing things the way that you are doing yes we've got zoom fatigue but the reason we've got zoom fatigue is that everything's on zoom we're not saying put everything on zoom we're saying cherry pick do a prayer meeting that people who work shift work couldn't get to. Have a small group that people who can't leave the house can go to. Do some things online and then take it into a physical room. So think through those things. And without frameworks, without questions, it comes down to personal preferences, okay? So frameworks help us to make informed decisions. And it's not, this is how I would like it, because too many, decisions can be made by church leaders saying this is how I want it or because that's how I would like it so we need to make decisions based on informed choices around things like convenience yeah but also connection community um like so much reach around like our, our massive events like Christmas and Easter, how can we get reach out there more? It might not be hiring the biggest room in the entire city, but that might be, it depends on your context. Uh, Finn and Peter, I'm gonna hurl this button back to you, conscious that we um, probably have like, what, three minutes to rattle through your 10 minute section? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh... Uh, I'm more than happy to do that. I'm also more than happy to jump straight into Q and A. Honestly, whatever kind of will serve the purpose best. But um, I think, yeah, what Mark said there is great. I think, uh, you know, I've put. It, I think the key question we need to be asking is, what can you do digitally to support your in-person gatherings as they're re-established? So, how do we walk hand in hand with both digital and physical solutions? I think what you said there, Mark, about it doesn't need to be exclusively one or the other. But you know, cherry picking those, I think, is important. You know what needs to be in person what has flourished online you know let's definitely not throw the baby out the bathwater and bin all the great work we've been doing online you know all those individuals we've been connecting with and there will be people that have connected with your church that only know your church as an online experience if anyone that's basically new that's joined in the last year and so um i think you know finding ways to connect with them and to keep them connected um as you move forward is a, is a key question a key consideration um I'm going to skip my next bit here and just hand over to you um, because I think what you've got to add there at the end is useful about uh, the opportunity yeah, going forward. So, um, I'm going to be real quick. Uh, there was just kind of three final things that I wanted to say um, that, that as we re-emerge, um, you know, in the next six months, the church really does have a huge opportunity and, you know, to hear what, and I know that's, I didn't actually hear Pete Gregg's uh, session last night, but I've seen the highlights on social. Um, I was actually prepping this session as Pete Gregg was speaking last night, <laughs> but I've seen the highlights and I know he was talking about the, 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 in history, what has occurred after pandemics and after crisis. And I believe as we reemerge from lockdown, I'm anticipating a greater interest in faith, a greater interest in church, like we've never seen in this nation. And this is a God given opportunity for people to meet Jesus. And so, you know, strategically planning for that opportunity, you know, if we make the most of it, you know, people will meet Jesus, our communities will be cared for, our churches will grow, and the spiritual temperature of the nation will rise. And I guess what we're trying to say is, is think about that a little bit and have a little bit of intentional planning. And if you, you know, for me, mm. it can be summed up in kind of three ways. First is keep investing in digital. You know, pets are not just for Christmas, digital is not just for COVID. Um, you know, and the pandemic has shown us that this can be a viable avenue for ministry it doesn't it's not it's mm. not the be all and end all it has its limitations the three of us are more aware of that than most because this is our job so we're very aware of its limitations but my hope is is that this seminar has given you some knowledge and some ideas and some strategies to be able to keep investing in it and use it as the tool that i believe it is the second is if you 
as we've all heard probably in every leadership seminar we've ever been to, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so having a strategic plan uh, is going to allow you yeah. to form some really clever strategy. The problem with March was you all had six days to go online. Um, it was unprecedented <laughs> and it was unpredictable. Re-emerging from lockdown is not unpredictable. It is a certain entity. It's a matter of when, not if. And so... You know, by using this framework and some of the questions that I know I copied and pasted that Mark spoke about, you'll be able to have those important conversations, non-stressful environment, not fast. You can do it right now. You can do a bit of planning, do a little bit of strategy and make the most of the God-given opportunity. And here's the final thing for all of you who are doing digital, uh, whether it's voluntary or whether you're paid, you are doing the work of Jesus. You know, when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, he told us to go into all the world. And Paul interpreted that and he used letters, roads and boats. And to us, they sound like these super mundane things. But in reality, he was using the, the cutting edge technology that was available to him. And we have to use relevant methods to 2021 to preach that timeless message of the gospel. And so, you know, you are doing the work of Christ. You are communicating the gospel. Uh, never downplay your role, never undervalue your role, because it is the work of Jesus. And um, and that is what the past 12 months have shown us. Uh, and that is what the next 12 months or the next 12 years can show us also. Uh, so, you know, keep investing in digital, remember to plan, and remember you're doing the work of Jesus. Amazing. Thank you, Peter. So, so good. Um, we've got some questions rolling in, and I think we want to rattle through these as much as possible so it's very unlikely we will do your question justice but we hope to point you in the right direction not just kind of answer one question um one of the questions was uh, from polly about what would i do if, uh, for where the team is just me and i would just say polly do what you can do and do what you know you can do for the long haul okay so don't try and go up here um raise the bar slowly so do this make sure you can do that um and you can sustain the quality that you're doing. Once you've got that, you'll find that the speed at which you can do that increases and you can do a little bit more. Okay, so gradually increase that. Um, there's a question here, great one from Nick Sutton. He says, do you have any advice on how we reach out to new or not yet followers of Jesus rather than attract consumers from existing churches? Uh, Finn, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, great question. I think so. Part of part of this would be the strategy you have from taking someone from a digital um, kind of uh, newcomer and uh, you know, that initial engagement through to disciple and someone that's connected to your church. So I think most churches that I've encountered at the moment don't really have a strategy for that. We don't know how we take someone from, for example, liking a post on our Facebook page to hey they're a committed member of our church so i think that has to be a factor in part of that strategy um, because you're right otherwise it's just we're just moving numbers around and as i heard someone say this week uh you know we're called uh we're not called to move like sheep from uh you know stable to stable or whatever in pen from 10 pen to pen like actually we're called to you know reach the least and the loss so um i think that would be a key consideration as uh you begin to start that conversation so a key way I would do that would be like straight away, I want to move it into DMs. I want to move that conversation to something where I can have a bit more of a personal conversation with them. And that's where I begin to ask those questions because then you can point them in the right direction. If it's like, hey, we're from the church down the road, we're just checking this out. Great, fine, like, I love that you're doing that. But like, you're not probably the people that are trying to reach directly. If you're someone that's new, just exploring faith, no idea who Jesus is, great. Well, we've got these three next steps in mind for you. One of them's Alpha, one of them's a personal call with our lead pastor etc etc so having those sorts of structures in place will help make that those decisions quite quickly and that help you kind of filter people i think quite quickly into the relevant sections um anything else to add to that, I would add is, is like is your content aimed at non-christians so if your content yeah. is aimed at christians no wonder you're getting christians watching it um so just being aware that you're the the the, the it's where that audience thing comes into play like are are you doing stuff that if you've got no background in church no knowledge of faith you you you, know, you don't even know what john 3 16 is like that doesn't mean anything to you is your content accessible for those people uh because if it's not accessible yeah, for those people you'll never reach them right well you might yeah, but it's gonna take good. it's gonna take the holy spirit doing a lot 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 more work 
yeah that's, <laughs> that's really good um let's move on to another question uh bringing the physical into the digital how have you found any particular things work and there's a few things especially around kids families and i think yeah 100 percent um there have been some uh people who have done things like kids um bags that they've sent out bags for kids with some yeah. crafts some coloring I mean, and they've dropped it off on like Tuesday afternoon to each um, household who, that has a child registered for their church. And then uh, they've said, why don't you have a go at, uh, at the craft, the colouring in, the word search, and here's a verse and think about it. And then they've had like a 30 minute Zoom call um, that Sunday, which is their kind of Sunday school. And then they've gone, why don't you show us your craft? Oh, wow, that's really good. That's amazing. Um, what? and then they share a thought and then they're like this little story is all around that verse that we shared um and so trying to kind of bring that but also that discipleship in the home and i think that's something that's only going to increase that for too long uh, lots of households have depended on church sundays for discipleship and actually now i think churches need to be trying to equip uh, households and part of that is putting physical into their hands um, I just want to move on quickly because I know that we could all share. Uh, there was a question around, um, um, sorry, I've lost it in the chat. Um, do, 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 do. Let me see if I can find it. Do we uh, believe that these digital streams are necessary for the future? A hundred percent. I think if we stop them, we're going to lose people, uh, not lose them from yeah. faith, but probably lose them from our church circle. Um, and so that's that's something which I'd encourage you to push into a lot. Um, there's lots of chatter in there about sound and encouraging people to worship whilst watching pre-recorded worship videos. Um, I would point you towards Harmony Smith, our director of worship, has done a series of, of kind of interviews on this. Um, and I'd really encourage you to go and watch those. They are absolutely brilliant. Um, so watch those rather than hear us talk about that. We've got two minutes and then I believe this seminar will automatically shut down. So before that happens, guys, thank you so much, Peter and Finn. Uh, you guys are amazing. I value your time and appreciate and uh, love all that you bring. I think the last question is um, from Mark Williams. You mentioned these uh, stories of loads of, sorry, you mentioned these stories of loads of people finding your digital church um, how do all these people find us? Peter, how can people find our churches? Um, good question. I, I think build it and they'll come. If you're putting out content, I think the, 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 the benefit of social media is you can put out content that's aimed at a group of people and they will find that content automatically. Not automatically, but the algorithm does the work for you. So that's why identifying the audience yeah. is really important. And I saw some people say, you know, if I'm a team of one and I have a lot of time, those strategy conversations feel overwhelming, but they only need to be done once. <laughs> so it might take you a day, but you don't yeah. need to do that every single week. Once you've nailed down your audience, your audience is there. So, you know, build that content for the people you're trying to reach, the people you... The the Lord has put on your heart. That might be just the people in our geographical yeah. area and you pull the, the census data and you know who they are, you know, build the content for them. Uh, you know, and I think making sure that you're findable. So making sure that your website is optimized for SEO, making sure that, you know, I know that Zoom services work a lot for some people, but also just be aware that Zoom services are hard to engage with. If you're from a not church background, you've got to jump on Zoom and oh, it feels a bit overwhelming. That's why YouTube's also beneficial. So just being aware of those things. I'm also talking quickly because I know that I might stop mid-sentence. Um, so like, you know, just be aware of those things. Make sure that that your stuff is findable, your stuff is engageable. And that stuff that Finn was talking about, that then you've got a next step. I think some of the problems is, is we don't have a net to catch people. And so there's people watching our services, but they don't, you don't know how to, you haven't decided how you're going to take them from watching an online service to be an active member of your church. And I know what we did with Kingdom Company is they had not thought that process through. The minute we made that process simple for them and somewhat automated for them they're like groups tripled in three weeks so like just you know those kind of things are really 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 important and um, yes seo sorry that was tech language search engine optimization making sure you can be on the top <laughs> of google and uh, that you're findable your website is findable uh mark does that answer the question yeah it really really does um 
and this has all been so so helpful um i just want to drop a quick link into this group which is the vineyard comms collective um which is um, a facebook group for people in a vineyard church who are doing the job of comms um and there's also another group out there called the church comms collective collective uk uk thank you which is run by a friend of ours called ben who's an absolute comms jedi um those are great places to go to to kind of ask a few more questions read scroll through there's loads of wisdom in there um and yeah mark there's one final question that people are asking is this going to be available afterwards and i noticed a few other people say that how do people watch this if they haven't been able to take notes they might have missed it how can they rewatch it yeah this is going to be available afterwards um we're going to put all of this onto our uh, website vineyardchurches.org.uk and you can re-watch all of the seminars um, just give us a couple of weeks to have a rest after this and then we will get Mark needs to sleep so Mark have you noticed uh, awkwardly we're wearing the same t-shirt <laughs> oh no we're not no we're not I'm wearing the long sleeve version <laughs> well Peter Finn thank you so much thank you to all of you thanks Mark you guys are doing a great job um and if we can help in any way these guys are the digital church toolkit and you can find me at mark.crosby at vcuki.org.uk